Hey, good morning to you, East Bay Calvary family. We're at a familiar spot, maybe for some of you. Since we're East Bay Calvary, here is a little pic of the East Bay right behind me. Oh, it's not quite as nice a weather as maybe what we would like, uh, but we're doing a little bit of off-site shoot for us for the first part of my message this morning. You'll find out why we're doing that in just a moment. But today starts a brand new series for us called Multiply. We're talking about real life disciple making. I don't know, uh, think about it for a moment. If you are looking for a job or maybe you're an employer looking to hire somebody, where do you look? Some people uh, go to a job site online. Maybe you go to, um, you know, job com or indeed or ZipRecruiter or monster.com sometimes people set up in a in a college they'll do a job fair sometimes people even hire headhunters some places pay big money to be able to look for just the right person with the top qualifications maybe the best talent the best experience and they're looking for the very best person to fit the needs of their organization people pay a lot of money for an individual like that. I think the top two elements of what employers look for and what employees peddle, the top two things would be experience and education. Well, it's interesting here, God the Son, Jesus Christ came to earth to start the church and the church is vital. The church is the hope of the world. The church is what he would give his life for. The church is the very institution and organism that he would entrust his, his, his whole message and his mission that needed to go around the entire globe for the very future of the world. And then you wonder, with such an important mission like that, that is vital for all of the world, who would he pick as the individuals that he would start this vast and phenomenal mission with who would he choose as his top recruits and you know there were teachers in his day there were rabbis that schooled students would he go to them you know there was a whole religious system that pumped out disciples in his day would he go to the temple and maybe look for some of those individuals would he be knocking on the door of the rabbi? Would he be setting up a table at the gate of the temple? Well, of all those things, Jesus actually started out at a place kind of like this. It was called the Sea of Galilee. An interesting thing about the Sea of Galilee, it's not really a sea. It's called a sea by tradition. It's actually a freshwater lake. Today, it's called the Lake of Tiberias, uh, also called the Lake of Kinneret. And Kinneret is a Hebrew word that means harp or lyre. And if you look at the, at the Lake Kinneret or Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee on a map, it actually resembles a harp, a stringed instrument from above, from an aerial photo, kind of upside down. And so here we pick up our scripture reading for today and actually for the entire series from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Let me read it for you. 
It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Follow me, said Jesus, and I will make you fishers of men. Now let's think about this before we go indoors. Christ's mission needs to last thousands of years. It must span every country on earth. It must penetrate every language. It must survive every political regime, every economic situation. It must adapt to every culture on the planet. And remember, it was all started in a day where there was no internet, there was no phone, there was no mail, there was no car, and there was no plane. And then you wonder, who would Jesus pick as his individuals to start all of this? But when Jesus was looking for his top recruits to start the very most important movement in the history of all the world, he started at an everyday place, just like this, and he recruited everyday people, just like you and just like me, to do the very most important, extraordinary mission of all time. And that tells me everyday people like you and like me in everyday places can do the very same thing today. Let's go indoors and keep talking about this. Well, it's a little bit warmer inside here than what it was out there. You know, God has a history of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Like take, for instance, the servant girl, and we don't even know her name in the Bible, but she was a servant girl of Naaman, who was a leader in the king's court, and he had leprosy, and there was absolutely nothing that he could do about it. And although she was an outsider, although she was a Jewish girl in another country, she ended up speaking up and she told Naaman about a prophet of God who could help him, cure him of his leprosy, and that's exactly what happened. And then there was another girl. There was a Jewish girl named Esther. She was an orphan, and she was raised by her relative, Mordecai. And she was taken out of her country, taken eventually from her relative's home, and she would later become queen of Persia and save her people from destruction. Here's another ordinary person that God used, and we don't even know his name. He was just a little boy in a group of thousands and thousands of people, and no one had any food. And Jesus asked, does anyone here have anyone food? Have any food? And, and here this little boy comes out with his little sack lunch and he had five little loaves and two fish, and Jesus took that, multiplied it, and fed thousands of people on the spot. And then there's another young girl, an ordinary girl, that God used in the lives of humanity because she became the mother of the Messiah. Her name was Mary, a teenage girl who ended up birthing the Messiah. So when it all comes down to it, we really can't act too surprised when we don't see Jesus knocking on the door of the local rabbi or soliciting 
in the local temple for the next up-and-coming religious prodigy when he wanted to start his new thing of the church. Well, what I want to do today is walk away with a couple introductory understandings in our new series about followers of Jesus. And notice I said followers of Jesus because that's what this whole series is about. Jesus came to make followers of him that were real life disciple makers. He didn't come to merely make church attenders or church members. And so today, this discussion is what a follower of Jesus truly is. So here's number one. Followers are ordinary people. Followers are ordinary people. And I want to give you a a few words in our two-verse text today that really does my heart good. These are words we oftentimes gloss over a little bit too quickly, but we need to put the car in park on it to see the significance of these. Here's the first followers of Jesus. And it mentions he saw two brothers and they were fishermen. They're regular guys in every way, and everyone knew it. And this gives hope for you and for me. Now I wanna mention a couple ways that they were regular. They were regular in their qualifications. They're regular in their qualifications. There's a, a verse a little bit later on, I wanna read it for you. It's in Acts chapter four, verse 13. And this is after everything happens with Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to heaven, and he leaves the whole responsibility of the growth of the church in the hands of his disciples now. His Holy Spirit is helping his disciples to develop and grow the church. And here's Peter standing up and he's preaching and teaching and helping to equip the new followers of Jesus. And listen to what is said in Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were, catch these words, unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled and ordinary. They had no formal training. They weren't students under a rabbi. They didn't sit under special temple training. They were blue collar. They were tradesmen. They worked hard and probably at the end of a whole day of being fishermen, these guys probably stunk. They literally stunk. So they were very ordinary in their qualifications. Here's the second thing about them being ordinary people. They not only were ordinary in their qualifications, they were ordinary in their disqualifications. I don't know if you've thought about ordinary being disqualified, but they were just like you and me. And so this gives me hope and it should give you hope too. Now think about this. If you go through the list of the disciples that Jesus called being ordinary men, they all had disqualifications. They all were flawed and scarred. Thomas, probably if if you come up with the name of Thomas, And if you ask many people in church life today, they would say this. They would say, Doubting Thomas. He was known for being 
a skeptic. He was known for being pessimistic, for all of his questions, for doubting Jesus really being risen from the dead, doubting Thomas. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was known for being a cheat throughout the whole community. Tax collectors in that day, I'm not going to comment about today, tax collectors in that day were known for taking too much money from the people. They were not liked at all. And then they're all of the disciples. They were known for being fearful, for being thick-headed, for clamoring for position over the other, wanting to get pole position, lead place. They all questioned. They didn't quite get it when Jesus was telling them his parables. The first place we find them after the death of Jesus was in a room with a door locked. They were fearful, the Jews, trying to find them. So none of the disciples really were strong individuals. They were ordinary in their disqualifications. And then we just can't walk away from disqualifications without talking about Peter. Think about Peter and his disqualifications. He was impulsive. He was known for being impulsive. He was known for his attempts and his failures. And just think about, you know, walking on the water and then his fear and then he sunk out there in the Sea of Galilee. He was known for his anger and being impetuous. And here he goes and tries to cut off the ear of Malchus, thinking he can save Jesus from the cross. And, you know, he wasn't aiming for the guy's ear. He was aiming for his head. And then he blatantly, even after all of this, he blatantly denies knowing Jesus three times and he seals it all with a curse. And so... These guys were known not only for being ordinary in their qualifications, they were ordinary in their disqualifications. And truthfully, both of those things give us hope. Now, back when I was in grade school, probably you've done the same thing. When it was time to play a game, we'd pick two captains of a team. And and each captain would then go ahead and they would alternate in picking their teammates for each of their teams. And, and what would invariably happen is you would pick the best, the most talented people first, on and on and on until you finally get to the very bottom of the barrel, the people that you really didn't want, and then that's who end up getting picked last. No one would ever think about picking the ordinary one first. You know, what if you did that with your fantasy football picks? You know, everyone will laugh at you if you pick the ordinary, regular one first. They're the one that gets picked last. You know, what if you picked your financial investments the way that Jesus picked his followers? You know, let's get the low performers. Let's get the ones with no experience. Let's get the the board that has no training or the impulsive or the ones that are prone to mistakes. You know, I, I hope you don't plan on retiring anytime ever. You know, no one thinks that way when they go out picking things, but the peculiar picks seem to be the pattern in the plan of God. And there's a purpose behind it. In fact, listen to this passage right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 29 says, Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So here's the first thing to remember about genuine followers of Jesus. Followers are ordinary people. Here's the second thing to remember. Followers live everyday lives. Followers live everyday lives. Now this is the thing I love, and this is going to pop out even a little bit more to you as we look at it together. Peter and Andrew were at the Sea of Galilee, and they were fishing when Jesus walked by. And I believe picking ordinary people in everyday normal life was an intentional move on the part of Jesus because Jesus always intended his mission to be carried out in everyday life. Think about that. God picked up Peter and his brother Andrew at the Sea of Galilee. And that's where Peter's everyday life occurred. And if you took some time to read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll realize that Peter was greatly used by Jesus. And guess where most of this ministry was? If you look at it, you're going to find out Jesus not only called Peter at the Sea of Galilee, where where Peter was originally working, but so much of their special ministry actually happened around the Sea of Galilee. And just think about this. That's exactly the the place where Jesus, with Peter, calmed the storm when they were out on the boat. It's also the place where Jesus was walking on the water and Peter got out and walked on the water on the Sea of Galilee. It's also outside of the shores where Jesus fed the 5,000 and then later also the 4,000. And then there's a hillside outside of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus had his famed Sermon on the Mount. Later on in the Gospels, Jesus also, with the disciples there, cast out demons out of the two men that were called the maniacs. And they cast out these legions of demons out of the men. The demons then went into a herd of pigs, and the herd of pigs ran down the hillside, and they jumped into the water, and guess what water that was? It was the Sea of Galilee. Not only that, Jesus also, with the disciples there, raised Jairus' daughter from the dead right around the area of the Sea of Galilee. There was another man of an unclean spirit that Jesus healed. And I'm telling you, there are numerous, numerous healings and ministries and all of these things that all happened right there in the area 
around the region of the Sea of Galilee. And here's, here's just what I want to impress upon us. God didn't call Peter from the Sea of Galilee area. He used Peter's life around the Sea of Galilee. Can you see that distinction? He used Peter's life around the Sea of Galilee to specially minister to the people around the Sea of Galilee. And this thing absolutely blew up. And this totally fits with God's design for genuine followers of Jesus. I want to read to you a few verses that shows God's mission for every follower of Jesus Christ. Notice the first one is called the Great Commission or the Everyday Commission. And here's, how, here's what it says. It says, so go and make disciples, or literally, as you are going. So in your everyday life, make disciples of all nations. Here's another one, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light so shine before men, or let your light shine before others. It's to be out there that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Or 1 Peter 2.12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So I just want to talk Turkey here for a moment. I read an article this week that talks about how Christianity in today's age has been so much more focused on making people church members rather than making people disciple-making followers of Jesus in everyday living. Everyday living as a follower of Jesus was the primary strategy of Jesus to have his church last 2,000 years to have it span every country on earth, to saturate through every language known to man. It's the only way it could survive every political regime, every economic situation, and adapt to every culture on the globe. So let's finish up. Maybe you feel ordinary. Hey, me too. So I want to give us two final thoughts for all of us ordinary people here today. Ordinary. Ordinary is okay. Ordinary is okay because the gospel has never been about how great we are. Think about it. It's okay because the gospel's never been about how great we are. You know, we're ordinary or some of us may think, you know what, oh, I'm in trouble because I'm actually above ordinary. Maybe you think I'm talented and I have lots of education. Well, I've got good news for you too. God doesn't choose people for their accomplishments and he doesn't choose us because of our failures. Just like the Apostle Paul said, so no one will boast before God. So here's what I want to tell everyone. It doesn't matter if you feel you're ordinary 
or if you feel maybe you have special accomplishments, none of that matters to God because all of us, no matter how gifted or how ordinary, all of us are unqualified to follow Jesus because of our sin. The Bible says our unqualified state while we were yet sinners. All of us are sinners, but the beauty of it is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His work on the cross in dying for us is what qualifies us. He died to forgive us our sin. The most known and beautiful verse in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what I want to tell you here today, ordinary is okay because the gospel has never been about how great we are. And so the very first thing everyone needs to do is trust Jesus. Understand we're all sinners. Realize he died on the cross for all of our sin to qualify us. We don't qualify ourselves to be followers of Jesus. He qualifies us by dying to forgive us. So trust Jesus. Trust him to forgive you by his death on the cross. Connect with God and confess to him you're a sinner, that you believe he died for you to forgive you and to give you a relationship with God and to follow him. In fact, I want to encourage you on the connection card online Go ahead and and click on that, and on there, let us know, I started following Jesus today. I trusted Jesus today. Man, we would love to hear that, and we would follow up with you. we just love to connect with you and encourage you on your walk with Jesus as you begin to follow him today. I trusted Jesus today. I believe he died for me today. Would you let us know that? Trust Jesus. And then here's the second thing for all of us ordinary people who understand the gospel has never been about how great we are. No excuses. First of all, we trust Jesus. But then the second thing, no excuses. Some of us may say, I'm not great at teaching or I'm not a great preacher. I'm not great at singing or whatever. You know what? Our focus there is about following Jesus in the church. I want us to focus on following Jesus in your world. It's okay if we're ordinary. Our ordinary removes all confusion that it's truly God at work in your life. And you know what? If you can't sing or you can't preach or you can't teach, God wants to use you in the real world. Just like he used Peter in his real world, He wants to use all of us ordinary people in our real world. Think about that. No excuses. He can use us with our family, with our neighbor, with our friends, with our coworker. No excuses. Ordinary is okay because the gospel has never been about how great we are. Here's number two. Following Jesus wasn't made for the church world. It was made for the real world. It wasn't made for the church world. It was made for the real world. It was made for this world. It was made for your world. Even without a church service, even without a church program, you have all the purpose of following Jesus in your world today. 
There's nothing more that we need. We have his word, we have his spirit, we have connection with believers, and you have your world. You have your Sea of Galilee. You have every connection that you need to be a follower of Jesus in your world. So here's what we're going to do. Over these next four weeks, we're going to take it farther. We're going to take it farther in our small groups. And if you're not in a small group today, now's the time to get connected. That's another thing you can do on your, on your connection card online. I need to get into a small group and we'll plug you in right away because you do. That's how we go farther with this. And there's some questions we're going to be asking in our small groups like, in what ways have you felt ordinary and unable to accomplish God's mission? Another question we're going to ask is, who or what is your everyday world, your Sea of Galilee? And then another question is, what practical steps can you take to make mission happen in your world? Those are some questions we're going to ask in our small groups that we'd love you to be involved in if you're not involved in one yet. And then another thing we're going to be doing tomorrow starts our Bible reading schedule every Monday through Friday, there's a section of scripture that we have carved out for every day, all week long, reinforcing what we talked about today. All ordinary people you're going to read about every day this week. Friday's reading is great from Romans 16, lots of ordinary people there. But you're going to see those Bible reading schedules come through email. If you're on the church email, you'll see them on Instagram or on Facebook or on our church website, make sure you connect. Let's stay together, reading God's word together, seeing how it all connects with what we talked about today. Because here's where it's all at, folks. We all are ordinary people in everyday life for real life disciple making. God bless you. Let's do this because we're all in it together.